You're about to hear my chat with Colleen Schnettler, where she and I bat around different ideas and strategies and thoughts around choosing the right product idea to build a business around and sustaining it as a bootstrapped or mostly bootstrapped founder. Let's get into it. Hey, before I roll today's episode, here's my real-time update on what I'm working on. I'm recording this update on March 8th, 2024. Well, if you've been following my story heading into this year, then you know I'm in a transition phase. I'm exploring some new directions to take in my business. And this month, I decided to come back to my roots and focus my energy on what I do best, and that's building new products. So I've launched what I'm calling a product studio, and I'm calling it Instrumental Products. It's where I get to partner with fellow founders, creators, and SaaS companies on taking new product ideas from concept to launched. And, you know, since I'm a full stack designer and developer, my focus now is on continuously building new software products and continuing to grow that muscle. Sometimes I'm building products with clients, sometimes with partners, and building some new products of my own to grow out my portfolio at instrumental products. And as always, I love to build in public on my YouTube channel and on Twitter and, you know, share the process of taking new product ideas to life. So that's what I'm up to, building products in public. And I'm still running my SaaS product, Clarity Flow, which is doing its thing this year. All right, so that's my update. You can follow along with me on Twitter. I'm at CastJam. I'd love to hear from you if you have any feedback for anything I'm working on, especially this show on the podcast. And with that, Let's get into today's show. So I'm about to roll my interview with Colleen Schnettler, the founder of Hello Query. We had a really great conversation where we talked all about choosing the right product idea to build a business around and to sustain ourselves as entrepreneurs. And Colleen actually sort of turned the tables on me uh, earlier in this interview where she interviewed me about this kind of stuff, which I was not expecting, but it was still a great conversation. Always great to catch up with Colleen. So here it is. Here's my conversation with Colleen Schnettler. Enjoy. Colleen Schnettler, welcome to the show. Great to connect with you again. Thanks, Brian. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, you know, it was really cool to actually hang out with you in person a few months back uh, at MicroConf. And, you know, that, like, just like so many other people who, who come through this podcast and on Twitter and everything, it's like we have these like weird like podcast relationships with each other and, and a little bit of like Twitter. And then like occasionally we actually speak live face to face. Kind of fun. I know. <laughs> I really love that, too, because I think it gives so much more context to the relationship. Yeah. It's so nice to like have someone on your podcast and then meet them in real life. Like it's you're already friends. So that's so, always nice. You know, it it is nice like when when you've talked to each other on the podcast, but like I'm sure this ha has happened to you where you know, you meet a lot of people in this industry who and like they know everything about you from following your podcast, but you're meeting them for the first time, you know. So yes. I was kind of That has happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think probably like most episodes here, uh, this is going to be kind of like a wide uh weird veering conversation here but what i'm honestly what i'm most interested in when i talk to anyone and especially on this show is transitions like entrepreneurial transitions i 
I just, something about that, like really fires me up when, when we just say like, here's, here's where I've been. Here's, here's what's happening this year. I think I want to do something totally different next year. I don't know if that's even the case for you or not. We can get into it. It's sort of the case for, for where I'm at, where, where we're recording this right now. But um, just the idea of like redefining what success looks like and assessing different products and, and how things are going and the viability of, of things. Anyway, let's, let's get into it. Cool. So how, yeah. do you, how do you describe um, where you're currently at? I mean, maybe we can go back into your story in, in a bit, but like, how do you like, so we're recording here in November of 23. What do you, what do you do, Colleen? <laughs> so I am in a transition period right now. I had a startup um, that was funded, lightly funded, bootstrap funded, tiny seed. And um, I had that with my friend, Aaron, who I'm sure your listeners know from Twitter. And he decided to leave the business. And so I am going through a transition right now. So I am trying to figure out, I think what you just said is really poignant. Like, how do you define success? What do you really want? And what are the steps to get there? Yeah. So... So you guys were in Tiny Seed. I guess you're you're still in Tiny Seed, of course. This yeah, like, I'm still in Tiny Seed. Yeah. Yes. What when what was the timing of that? Like you were in like one of the earlier batches, right? November 2022. So we've only been in this is mar one year this November. So we've only been oh, in okay. a year. Yeah. For some reason I thought it was longer than that. That's cool. And so and and like I also took funding from Com Company Fund, That's which right. is it's different in some ways, but it's like the same sort of idea. It's like a bootstrap friendly type of fund. And I took some funding for it was called Zip Message at the time, which is now Clarity Flow. I, I took that in late 2021. So about then, two years uh, ago? Yeah. Yeah. I started the okay. business about three years ago and then I took that in, like almost a year in. Yeah. So I know that you have had you've had bootstrapped web your other podcast for like eight years or something, right? I think even more than that. I think we're going on like 10 years. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So I'm a newish listener because I'm kind of still new to this community, but I really want to talk about Zip Message and Clarity Flow because I have been listening to your podcast for probably a year. And then two weeks ago, you said that you were going, you were thinking about getting a job. Um, you were thinking about doing no. creator, more yeah, creator I, stuff? I, I'm, I'm trying really hard not to get a job. <laughs> okay, no jobs. Yeah, no. Okay. No, but what I'm doing is essentially um where I'm at in, in this phase of my career, I I'm now coming up to the end of like 3 full years of full-time focus on Zip Message on... Which, which became Clarity Flow during that time. And now as as we end 2023, I'm looking into 2024, I very much want to keep running and keep trying to grow Clarity Flow. But okay. it's, it's going to have to get demoted to a side project for me. And Brian, you're crushing my dreams here, man. <laughs> you're supposed to be like the sass, like ninja. Tell you know, me more about well, this. What's one of the things on? that I was saying on the podcast on, on Bootstrap Web is that like just the yeah. fact of like having a podcast makes it sound a lot bigger than it actually is. Like this is this is still very much a bootstrap like SaaS yeah. product that is not profitable. You know, it's it's working on a financial runway. And, um, and that runway is, it was partially funded from Com Company Fund. Uh, I put okay. in a lot more of my own money from, from savings, self-fund for the last three years. Um, and I sold, okay. you know, I had a previous exit in, in 2021 of Audience Ops. Um, so that, that helped to pad the runway a bit. But now, now we're three years in 
and we still have some runway. It's going to extend into 2024, but the it's pretty clear that like we would need to really grow like close to hockey stick growth to 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 make it through that runway and and really sustain this thing on its own and become profitable and support like my salary and along with the team and everything. So so the the decision that I'm coming to now is um just back off on the idea of like full time all in no other businesses, no other focuses, just put it all on clarity. And that's going to change. In 2024 I'm I'm literally starting up a new uh business to to be sort of like the main thing, the the profit engine, the 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 revenue self-funded profit first. That's the thing and then like Clarity Flow is a SaaS product that I sort of run on the side. You know, that's that's where it's going, at least for the foreseeable future. I think. Don't you have employees for Clarity Flow? I currently have two developers in India and okay. one one VA. She's more than a VA, more like a marketing assistant, I think. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious about the decision. Instead of letting those people go and continuing to work on it full time, you're going to expand your income stream. Can you tell me a little bit about like why you made that decision? Yeah. So first of all, I think that, okay. So like, like I, I considered so many options and I did not expect this podcast yeah. to become an interview about me, but <laughs> Wait, sorry, I don't all, all know. Good. I've been really curious <laughs> no, about yeah, this. I, so this is, this is great. And I, and I really want to hear everything about where you're at with, with hello query and, and everything. Oh yeah. Um, but, um, okay. So I went through this whole process uh, internally i got some some advice from friends and advisors i also work with a coach and ran it, ran it by him and and so i assessed all the different options that i have on the table it was like okay we're our mrr is here and uh, i have a spreadsheet where i project out like okay here's like a, a great scenario hockey stick growth like this is what that projects out to be here's here's a more likely scenario where we just have like slow like painfully slow almost plateaued, but maybe 5% growth as we, as we move forward. That's where we end up in July or September of 2024. And then there's a scenario where like, maybe these growth projects really don't pay off and we fully plateau and, and we just mm -hmm. sort of stay where we're at. Then our runway, you know, runs out a bit, a bit sooner than that. So with that picture in mind, I started to come to the conclusion that like, I cannot just expect that we're going to knock it out of the park with these growth projects that we have always running at, at all times. Right. So, and I also, also where I sit now, like I still have eight to 10 months of runway left, like in the bank account. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so that still gives me some space now to operate. So like, I, I have a window to figure out what I want to do next year. I don't want to just keep focused and not consider other options and then wake up sometime next year and say like, oh, we're like a, a one month away from running out of money. And and then, yeah. then it's like, okay, finding a job or go do consulting as quickly as I can. And I want to avoid that situation at all costs. So I'm making these decisions now when I'm like eight to 10 months out from that point. So then even, so even that being said, I looked at all the different options. Like one is, um, one would be like what you're saying is like, just let everyone go and just run the thing completely solo. I mean, I'm a full stack developer. I could, I could like build and maintain the product myself. There are some areas of the product that my developers are frankly just better 
at supporting than than I am, just in terms of like they're stronger on the back end. I'm more of a front end person, uh, but I do build full stack and rail. Um, on the marketing front, like almost everything on marketing, especially in Clarity Flow, my approach to marketing is like I create the systems and processes, and then I delegate it to someone else. Like I'm not writing SEO blog posts myself. I'm mm -hmm. not, you know, we're running cold email outreach campaigns. And I did a lot of work on the processes for that, but I have a VA who does the admin work on, on a weekly basis. And like, so that kind of stuff, like I, and I certainly can't just maintain the product and be a full-time mark marketing person. And by that, I mean like executing marketing myself. Like I, that's, you know, so I, I, my approach is generally like, I build the most important parts and then I delegate the, the, the legwork to, to my team. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. And it's, and, but even if I were to take, you know, let them all go and stay and go solo, it would, it would still not be profitable because we still have server costs. We, we still have some marketing expenses and tools and things. So like, I would still be looking for something to supplement the income and support my, like I haven't, I haven't taken a salary up until this point. Like really? I mean, that's, I didn't know that. that's what I mean when I self-fund, you know? Oh, um, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not profitable yet, you know? Um, yeah. And look, profit, like people have very different definitions of, of profit, of profitability for a SaaS, right? But like, yep. I, I don't know what your situation is, but we're probably somewhat similar. You know, we, we have families. We're not like young and single in a, in a cheap apartment, like living, living in, in our van. You're like living in like, you know, Vietnam or something like that. Like, like <laughs> cost of life is not cheap. You know, I'm, I'm in the right. suburbs here. Like it's, it's not like, so like a SAS to 10 K MRR is not profitable. Like you're very, right. you're very far away from having like a sustainable viable business. So that's what, that's sort of, so then the other options that I looked at were like, sell the business. I'm not interested in selling the business. I, I still think it's valuable. I think it'll be a lot more valuable in the future. Raise more is another option that I looked at, decided not to go that route uh, because it's not a great climate to raise more money right now. Also, um, I don't, I, I don't really see it as like a wonderful investment for, or like, I, I can't really get behind like trying to sell an investor on like, Hey, like, like, cause you know, three years and it hasn't become profitable. That's, yeah. that's a pretty slow track record for, for a set for like what people would consider a successful SaaS, Right. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, but it's more personal. It's more about, um, I'm three years in on this. I'm, I, my met, my calculation has changed. Like I'm not, I'm not willing to, to, to give it more years of my career to say like this, yeah. this singular SaaS product idea is going to be the one that takes me to where I want to go. I'm, yeah. I'm willing at this point to say like, I really like this product. I think it has a future, but it can't be, I, I can't be all in on it anymore, you know? So I'm just going to keep hacking on, but aside, so, so what I would love for Clarity Flow is, um, and this is where it's like, is the SaaS dream dead? I, I don't, I actually don't think it is. I think that it's like for, for me, where I'm at in my career, and I've had multiple attempts at getting a SaaS business to work at this point. I think that this SaaS can work, but I, I just can't depend on it for income. And I, I need to build something else to get back to like a state 
of having like a solid business and then have like SaaS product ideas happening on the side. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I was in this play, I don't know how far back you were listening on Bootstrap Web, but from the years like 2015 ish to 2021, I had audience ops and I was also yes. selling a course called Productize. Um, okay. Those were like great years, to be honest. Like I had a, I had, really? I had a super profitable self-funded business that got to a point where it was running almost entirely without me. I had, I also had an info product that made a, a, a pretty good chunk of my income every year. And so I used all of that to like self-fund. I was, I did a SaaS called process kit. And then I started zip message. I self-funded a year of learning Ruby on rails. Like it's cool. I, I sort of just need to get back to that of like having like a profitable core thing and that, that I can then use to reinvest in like little product ideas on the side, you know, rather than the idea of just going all in on one product idea in the name of like, the, like just focus on one thing. Like I sort of have to like, you know, swing the pendulum back to like, all right, I, I think I need to be in a, a couple of different things and then see, see what works from there. I, I have where, a founder friend. Yeah. So this is a good segue. I have a founder friend who has raised a couple million dollars. So they have significantly more investment than I do. And we talk a lot about this concept of emotional runway, where it's like there's a point in this journey where this can be what you want to do with your life, but you yeah. are exhausted and you need to figure out like doing something, whether it's whether it's content or whether it's consulting or whether it's getting a job to kind of ramp up your emotional runway to take another swing. Yeah. Kind of made me think of, of your story a little bit. That, that's so true. I mean, there, there really is an emotional runway, but I also think that it's like, it, this is really difficult, but at a certain point you also need to, um, look at your own business. Like you're an investor, like unemotional, mm -hmm. you know, because, because yeah. we are all, we, we absolutely are really emotional about our own business, our own creations, right? Like, yeah. Like I created this. And then the other thing that plays into it is like, I do have customers, you know? Like yeah. I, right. Like, right. Like people literally like today and yesterday, like somebody came to the website and signed up and started paying like, and, yeah. and it's hard to like emotionally be like, that's a person who I just created something and sold something to, and they got value from it. So there's that fire that like, I want to keep pushing on that. But then you step back and it's like, look, the numbers just don't play out. Like mm -hmm. you, you need so many more of them in, in a, yeah in a urgent window of time that is just like, you, you just got to be realistic. You know, at least that's where, where I'm at. Right. I mean, I don't even know if I'm right or wrong about that, but that's where the, the gut points to at this point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, all right, let's hear about your, your journey and where, where you're at. How, I'm, I am curious about like how you think about, um, product ideas in general and choosing the right idea and committing your time and your investment and, and all that. To... Yeah, this is such an interesting, I mean, I know everyone has super strong opinions about this, but it is such an interesting topic, right? So for your listeners, some background is I started a business with a friend. We raised the tiny seed money. He decided to leave the business about two months ago. So we didn't have a, we don't have a product. We didn't have a product. So it wasn't like we were making revenue and he decided to do something else. It was like, we don't have a product. I was sort of so curious I am, about that because I, I sort yeah. of started following you and Aaron 
I, I guess it was shortly after you took the tiny seed money. And okay. It, and I wasn't totally clear on what your initial product was when when you joined Tiny Seed. Yeah. So we got the funding based on this product that we had, which is was a drop-in filter builder, filter builder for Rails and Laravel. And we started the company, or when I joined the company, he had already started it. It felt like a sure thing because we had this enterprise level contract. So we were making, we were super profitable, actually. But it turns out that what that contract ended up turning into was productized consulting. Mm -hmm. So basically, the, the trajectory was we were productized consulting. I was able, so I had two or three developers working for me at one point. And then we raised the money, which then enabled us to eventually turn off the consulting, right? So we were like, okay, we're going we're gonna to cancel this consulting contract. We actually sold the IP of that product to the company we built it for. So that was kind of nice. And we decided to make a go of it without consulting, like full product. Like if I turn this into full product, can we do that? And so we were actually working on that pivot, like that transition from product drop-in filter builder to what we were, our vision was, it was essentially like a customer report builder. Mm -hmm. So it would load in your app as an iframe, kind of like a metabase for people who are familiar with that. And your customers could come in and filter sort and export their data. So we were working on that when everything kind of imploded or exploded, I guess. <laughs> so it. that puts me, yeah. So I'm in so a position you, now, go ahead. And, and also you have, do you still run simple file upload? Is that like? Yes, I do. I still have that. So, so that, so you have like a bit of a, like a portfolio, and then, like, did, did you have like other stuff going on too besides that? You were doing like a couple nope. different things. I've got. I mean, at this exact moment in time, you can buy three different products from me, which is kind of funny because like <laughs> I'm not the small bets person. Like uh -huh. I'm the all in on one thing person. Yeah. But yes, right now today, you can buy three different products from me. Should there you, you be so inclined. <laughs> Simple file upload I kept because it's just easy. I mean, I don't know a lot about what you were doing with audience ops, but simple file upload runs itself and it's it's making money. So it's like, why would I nice. turn it off? You know, one thing that I that that I heard there, and, and I was just thinking about this before our call, was like, how do we assess ideas? Or or maybe a better way is like how, what's the premise for each idea, right? And you you were talking about how you sort of had like a productized service. And you're turning mm -hmm. it into uh, a SaaS. I, yes, I, that's exactly. I sort of what had that with Audience Ops, or that was like one of my first attempts at SaaS. Was so Audience Ops was a productized service, just content as a service, and it grew to like okay. a team of like 25 people, and and just wow. very process oriented. Like we powered the blogs for a lot of SaaS companies. Um, okay. I, I sold that in 2021, but but back in so I started it in like 2015. And then by 2017, like before I learned Rails, I, I hired some developers to um, to essentially turn a lot of what we did into a SaaS. We, we wanted to build a, a like a content calendar kind of tool and some posting to Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook kind of tool. Okay, that was the concept. But it, but that idea was like let's see if we can take what we do as a service for clients and turn it into a software that people can use on their own. And that just did not work. Like it, it gained almost 
no traction in, in the beginning. And I, I spent a ton of money on hiring developers, uh, which led me to go learn Rails myself from that point forward. But then, then like looking at other ideas, like then I went into process kit and then eventually zip message. And then I started to like change my mind set around like choosing ideas based on like, don't try to don't like the idea of like converting a service into a, into a SaaS generally for me doesn't work because it's like, it's a different premise. You're, you're, you're doing it for the client rather than asking the client to do it themselves. But then I moved toward this idea of like, it's actually better to go into a crowded market or where there's, where there's competitors, where, where there's proven demand, like proven customer activity, they, they buy tools like this. So ship a tool that's like this, but different or better in some way. And I think that has some pros and cons as well, but I'm curious to hear your thought on like, like, you know, choosing a, a product idea based on like, it, this could be like the only one of its kind in its market versus like, this could be one of many in the market, you know? Yeah, I have strong feelings on this because the way we approached, the product was called Refine. So we had this quarter million dollar contract. So we were like, we're in the, this is going to work. Everyone's going to want this. Obviously that didn't work out because of what you just said. I think people do it all the time, right? Consulting to like consulting to productize service. But I also know a lot of people who have tried it and it hasn't worked. And for us, we tried it and it didn't work. Like we could have sustained and grown that business, but we were clearly in productized consulting and I did not want to do consulting. I was trying to get out of that. Mm -hmm. I am also, another mistake I think we made is Rails developers in general don't have a high propensity to pay for gems. Like they expect, mm. sure, there's, there's always your outliers, right? You've got everyone wants to tell me about Sidekick. I know. But generally, that is an outlier. Like it is not a... And even that is like, it's free for most... It's like free for most, most people. Users, yeah. yeah. And so I think we were trying to build a market. We were trying to come into this market and say, of Rails developers who are my people, right? And say, you should pay for this thing. And that, that's just not a thing that developers were like, what? No, we don't, we don't pay for gems. Like maybe we'll pay you for extra support or there could have been another way to build a business model there, but it was not a SaaS, right? Because it was a piece of software. And so all of that to say, one of the things Aaron and I realized, you know, maybe in the summer, we were like, we're trying to teach these people that the market should be different. And we don't have the money or the time yeah. to teach people that the it market should, the should market. be different. So I'm a big proponent. Like as I, so I'm in this position now where I'm deciding. Hey, real quick. This podcast is sponsored by Instrumental Products. That's my product studio where I and my small crew, we take new product ideas from concept to launched. I'm a full stack product designer and developer, and I love collaborating with fellow founders, creators, and SaaS companies to bring that spark of energy into new product ideas. Think of instrumental products as your shortcut to shipping that next idea and getting it into the hands of your customers as efficiently as possible. Got something to ship? Let's talk. Visit instrumentalproducts.com to learn more. What to do next? Um, I have a little bit of time. And so do I start something new? Do I, you know, I'm, I'm evaluating business ideas and I'm a big believer in the crowded market. Like, I, I mm -hmm. think that is the move. It can be really depressing when you think you're starting something and you find a competitor who has raised $20 million and their product's way better. But 
I think you need to be in an established market as a solo developer. I mean, that that's also where I landed. And I, I think I, I'm still sort of like in that camp, if you will. But there there are trade-offs everywhere, right? Sure. You know, I think the thing that I that really started to like make it sink in for me is is a lot of what Justin Jackson was talking about in the last couple of years around like you sort of need to find this existing wave of demand and and come into that market and and meet customers. Like and, and what I what I get really interested in is like talking to customers and doing these research interviews and job job to be done interviews and hearing them describe like, all right, well, I pay for this tool and this tool does that for me. And then I pay for that tool and that tool does that for me. And so like what I'm hearing is like these are commonly used tools that pe that people in this market frequently actually pay for. Like there, there's evidence of that happening. So that's exciting. But it, but the trade-off is they need a really, really strong reason to switch from those tools. Mm -hmm. or, sure. or even if they're not switching, still, like, they need a really good reason to choose your new tool over the well-known, well-established option out there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's not, like, it's not just a race for feature parity. Like, there is that. Like, you do have to, like, ship a lot of features just to be like just to be compared to like the the players in the space but there's also like a credibility gap and even once you ship the features it's still relatively new so it, it needs a level of polish like it's a, it, it's a slower it's a slower grind to like because I, I do see natural demand like with, with clarity flow there definitely is natural demand people just finding it they don't know me. They don't know my podcast. They're just Googling it and they're, and they're finding it or, or even like word of mouth in, in the coaching space is starting to like sort of trickle in now, but it's still like a slow process. They, they still need to like onboard and get active and feel comfortable to use it with their clients. And, um, so then, so then I still question the whole idea of like how in 2023 and 2024, how realistic or how viable is it to take a, an idea, no code yet, just, an, just a concept for a potential product, go from zero to profitable SaaS business, like in a year or a year and a half, right? Like, I, like honestly, like, I'm really questioning. <laughs> Obviously, companies do it. Obviously, companies mm -hmm. find that level of success in that time frame. But I just feel like there are so many factors that make it difficult, like more difficult now than ever before. And may maybe this is overly negative, but like to be, to be pro especially for folks like in our, like, you know, we're not in our twenties, like with, with like no expenses right. to go from zero to 25 K MRR in a, in 18 months, like you, you got to nail product market fit, like fast, you know, and, yeah. and deliver the product in that time. You know, I think it's exceptionally rare. And I think we, I, you know, and that's, that's part of like the, I don't say like on Twitter or the content you consume. It was interesting because I was at a conference last week and on the internet, it seems like everyone's doing it. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't, why isn't it working for me? But when you actually start to talk to people um, and people are honest, which is another problem people have, you'll find, I think what you said is really true. I think it's exceptionally rare. And I do think it's a grind. Like it doesn't happen overnight for 99.9% .9 of the people trying to do this. Yeah. How do you think about that? Like, obviously, you know, 
you you had tiny seed and i took some funding from from com fund mm -hmm. but like how do you think about like the the runway or the transition from going so you're you're in exploration mode right now you're looking at ideas yep, yep. um how are you even evaluating ideas but also how are you like planning your next 12 to 18 months of like okay i've or however long your your window of time is like there's this time i can choose an idea that i think i has has a high likelihood of success of getting to profitability but then there's also the question of like how do i fund this time how do i you know give it the, the resources that it needs and all that yeah and it's super hard right because you're trying to find the balance between do i want to move fast and like hire a couple people and just burn the boats and give it three to four months and see what happens or do i want to not do that and just have me and i'll be a little bit slower but then i have more time and i think that's tricky i think since i don't have I'm still ideating. Like, I don't have an idea that I'm like, this is the thing. I am slow rolling, burning through that runway right now. Yeah, I think. But, you know, I have this I have this theory, right? I think any idea can work. Mm -hmm. That is my theory. Is Any idea can work given enough time, dedication. That doesn't mean it's a good idea, but yeah. I do think think any idea can work. So you have to. So when I evaluate the quality of an idea, so the thing, one of the great things I took away from my year in Tiny Seed um, and doing Hammerstone was I'm going to build a product that people will pay like $200 a month for. Um, yeah. I'm not going to be selling a product. Not a, at, not a $19 at, product. Yeah. yeah. Simple file upload is $35 a month. And even that, I'm like, that's kind of cheap. Like mm -hmm. I won't do that again. Yep. So when I evaluate it, so I have this one idea that I kind of like love, but I don't actually think I can charge a high enough premium for it. And so I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go after that or not. And, and so when I evaluate idea, obviously you want to think about, you know, you want to talk to people and demand is this thing people are asking for. But I am now looking at like, what is this? What is real, the real value I can add to someone's business? Can I sell this to, I don't, can I sell this to real businesses? Like, it's great if I can sell it to my friends, but that's not what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, so that's a yep. big thing for me now. That was a big factor in my transition from, from ZipMessage to Clarity Flow. Not, mm -hmm. not just the rebrand, but like changing the product and how we price and niching down to coaches. Like a big driver of that was like, get us away from $19 a month. We had like a $19 and a $39 plan. And, okay. and we were doing freemium for the first like year and a half of, of it to no freemium, starts at 49, goes to 99 and 199. Yeah. But like, we're, you know, we've built a much more, like a much bigger product, but a more essential product. Like it runs their, a coach's entire business. Whereas yeah. Zip Message was like just a Loom competitor. And this is intended to be like, you can take payments, you can sell courses through it. You can have group coaching on it. Like, so they, like a coach like depends on it. And that, that was like the, as I did all this research, it was like their duct taping two or three tools that they're paying 50 to 150 dollars a month for um to to run their business and if we cover all of that ground then 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 it can be a, a viable business yeah i just sort of wish yeah. i i didn't learn that in year three and instead i learned it on year one but <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and, you know something else about this whole like how do you validate an idea is there's so much survivorship bias 
Yeah. For every person that tells you you should talk to 50 customers before you launch anything, you'll have your Jason. Have you seen read that Jason Freed article? Validation is a myth. Probably. Sounds like. Yeah, yeah. it's great. But it's basically like it's a myth. You got to ship and see what happens. And then the other day, one more point is like Derek's whole why levels failed. I don't know if you've read that one recently, but I was reading that no. Derek Reimer has this. So remember how he started, maybe oh, yeah, yeah, he started yeah. Levels. Yeah. He worked on it for a year and he shut it down. I thought but you were talking like... about the other guy, Levels, on, on Twitter. Oh, um, oh no, no, yeah. Derek Reimer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember his whole story with Levels, yeah. But he had like a thousand plus people sign up for early access or something. That's the thing. And it failed. Yeah. Right? Yep. So no one knows, guys. You just got to do stuff. That is the hardest thing. And I actually tend to, I do remember that Jason Fried article and I, also, Dan Norris wrote a very similar article. I think it was called like Validation is Bullshit or something like that. Um, okay. <laughs> and I agree with that because in my yeah. experience, I, I, in, I've had so many past, pro way too many past products in my career now. And I, I tried the pre-selling validate, like literally taking money from people before I built the thing. Mm -hmm. And almost none of those customers became long-term customers. They were just along for the ride. Um, yeah. And then I also, I, there, there, I've had plenty of products where like, I have amazing conversations with customers. They tell me that they're super interested and then they're, they're just not like, I, I, mm -hmm. I don't think that, um, you can really truly validate a product until, until it's in their hands and they're actually faced with the decision of like, am I going to use this today? Like, am I actually yeah. going to. Put it to use today like not theoretical uh, but i'm actually going to put my not only and not even just paying for it like a lot of people will say that they'll, they'll pay for it but then they end up not using it and they'll churn in three months you know right that's so we actually pre-sold ref we thought we were doing everything right brian like i need to write a book about this because yep. we did everything right we pre-sold it i pre-sold refine i was so proud of myself that was a product i had hammerstone it didn't matter like when when yep. we were really in there trying to build the business it was wonderful to have those people's early support, but like ultimately it didn't pan out. Yeah. And those so, people probably thought that they were going to use it. Like they, yeah. they probably legit thought like, oh, this is interesting. This, this could solve a problem. For me. But then for one reason, whether they get busy or the, the need changes or, or whatever it might be, when it comes down to it, like, no, actually it's not quite product market fit, you know? Yeah. So when I approach this problem, something I'm doing differently um, I think because my co-founder and I had raised a little money, we had this vision. And I now keep this quote from Paul Graham about vision on my on my desk. I'll just read you the first line. What you will get wrong is that you will not pay enough attention to users. You will make up some idea in your own head that you call your vision, and you'll spend a lot of time thinking about it by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> And so we had this vision, right? Because um, people were paying thousands of dollars a month for Power BI and they all hated it. Mm -hmm. And we were like, this is it. Yeah. And we didn't ship anything. Like we didn't ship anything, right? We just talked to people about our vision. And so mm -hmm. I think it's what like I'm trying to do this time. In the other way. Like, correct. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what we did. We overcorrected in the other way. Mm -hmm. So we were here, then we went here. And so now that I'm going at it alone, I'm trying to like, I think six weeks, but like I'm trying to ship things in like four to six week cycles to get it in front of people instead of having just like big, some big, huge, I still have a vision, I'm going to be honest, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to parse it down into like shippable segments to see what happens. You know, 
I, one of my, I think, and I'm doing a lot of reflecting back on like, where did I actually make some mistakes or, or, or decide, um, in certain ways that I, that I should have done differently. And I was looking back on my, like the initial idea for zip message when I first started it. And I was very much in, in what you're doing right now, which was like, I, I actually remember talking about this on bootstrapped web at the time. It was, it was around January of 20, I guess, 2021, January, 2021 was when I like, I had, I had this idea of start, um, these experiments, like, like quick shippable product ideas. And mm -hmm. I think I was talking about like launching like a product studio where I would have like a portfolio of products and zip message was like one of the very first one of the, ones of these. I think I did one like Twitter idea that went nowhere and then, and then zip message. And the idea was to do like five, seven more after that. And zip message okay. sort of had some, some, some quick traction when I, when I showed it to people and I was able to build a, like a V1 within like two or three months with that. And then I just kept running with, with that one, you know, mm -hmm. and it, it did get customers pretty quickly in the first few months. And then, and then just a few months later, I took some funding from Com Fund and I sold audience ops. And then I was like, all right, I'm all in. I'm like, forget, yeah. forget the product studio idea. Forget the small bets idea. I've got one. It's, it's off and running. Let's just go. And, and now like three years later, I'm back to this point of like, I still, I like, I'm, I'm sort of circling back around to the small bets idea, but even mm -hmm. when small bets start to work, just let them work for a while, but they're still small side projects. They don't have like it. I, I think, I think my bar for taking like a SaaS idea and saying like, this is ready to become my full-time focus is much higher now. Mm -hmm. Like I have to, mm. see, I have to see it succeed against all odds against all like it has to be so it has to fit the market and and get so much traction and raise to a level of mrr despite me not working full-time on it or you know or despite it not being perfect and like that that's a sign that like all right this thing is really like you have to give it focus because it's demanding focus whereas like with, with zip message was like all right it it grew customers fast it's on a pretty good trajectory but it's nowhere near profitability you know so i, I looking yeah. back i maybe i like went all in on it too quickly or too early i don't know yeah hard to say so with with your because i know you said you're going to be doing more content creation and what else are you doing you're doing something else Consul not consulting you're doing yeah coaching? So, yeah that the coaching is sort of like a first offer so i started up this this domain that I'm calling instrumental products. And Sorry. it's, yeah, I think primarily I'm getting back to this idea of like, basically like a creator style business. Like in, in the next couple okay. of weeks, I'm going to start to really invest in audience growth again and um, YouTube and this podcast is coming back. Right. And so like the audience thing has been something that I really backed off on and in the last couple of years, just haven't really cared about it. I've had bootstrapped web and we just do that for fun, but like, I never really took it seriously to like, try to grow my email list or try to grow my audience. I was just trying to do SaaS. So now going forward, I think I need to just get back to grow the audience and get to a point where I can have that distribution channel really built up, like in a, in a really serious way. Like if I can get, mm -hmm. get like a year from now and have like a, a really decent audience. Yeah. 
that's a really great jumping off point to then do there there's so many different ways to be successful in business it doesn't have to be SaaS. it, sure. could, it could be courses it could be community events sponsorships on a youtube channel that's sort of where my head's at it is going to be product like product strategy and product design focused so maybe as like a byproduct of creating that kind of content i'm, I'm also hacking on little product ideas but again like those and clarity flow is going to continue to run as like a side project going forward so like those are going to just be little things on the side, but the main thing is reestablish um, income and like a profitable business. And, it, but it's not enough to just go do consulting or go get a job. Like that solves the short term income thing, but it's not um, investing for the long term. You know, so I I need to be investing in an asset, which would be an audience and a distribution channel, so that you know that just makes everything easier. And, and I, and I really kind of took my eye off the ball on that for the last like four or five years, like on purpose, because audience wasn't as important to me, but it's where I need right. to get back to. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I mean, I'll cool. throw it back to you. Like, how do you, yeah. so, so, <laughs> you know, you've, you've been through this, 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 this past year or so of like, you know, um, working on this one thing and now you're exploring new product ideas. Are you, how do you define success going forward in as, as an entrepreneur, as um, a, you know, a, a product person? Are are you still like like searching for a single product to sort of say like that's that's going to be the winner? I'm gonna I'm gonna focus all attention on that. Yes, I would absolutely like. Which again, it's funny because I have three right now, but I would like a single product that I really believed. Yeah could be could be the product. But I think, you know, it's interesting being in this early stage again and starting over, something you said about zip message is I I'm actively trying to take the pressure off um of these ideas, right? I'm like this might be a crappy idea, but I think I'm just going to do it anyway and see what happens. I think if you go into the situation being like I've got 6 months and this has to be the one product to rule them all, like you're just doomed to yeah. be disappointed. Yeah. And and so I I think the fact that I haven't sold simple file upload is indicative of the fact that I don't really know what's going to work. Yeah. And it's funny I was talking I have a tiny seed investor um a friend and you know we were talking about it and he was like the most interesting thing about tiny seed is I can't tell from the list of ideas what's going to be successful and what's not. He's like I will hear an idea that sounds awesome and they'll have all this early traction. And then they'll just fizzle out. And then you'll hear this other idea that sounds terrible yeah. and they're making $500 a month and they'll just be really, really successful. Yeah. So I'm trying to take that mindset. I think I've been on a bit of a roller coaster recently. And so, I mean, mindset is such a word people throw around, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. I roll But, but yeah, I, I, it's I, everything, I really think that right? It's, like, it's not about building a great product. It's not even about marketing. It's about like, keeping your head on straight and because this shit is hard you know yeah, yeah right i mean i i you know my favorite question is like what are you optimizing for like what are you optimizing for in your life mm -hmm. if it's money you should probably go get that five hundred thousand dollar job amazon offered you that you turned down right like <laughs> what are you are you optimizing for control for freedom like i think it's really really important to remember like what you're doing like for i can give you a concrete example so my kids are getting older. I have one in middle, two in elementary school. And 
last year, I was so focused on the business. I was like, I don't have time for anything else, right? Like family, um, business, fitness. Those are my three things. That's all I can do. And this year, so now I'm in this weird position where, yeah, I'm going to run out of money soon, like for full context. Like I, I can't do this forever. But I was like, this is my life. And I need to live it in a way I will look back on and be happy. So like I'm coaching first grade basketball because I've always oh, wanted awesome. to do that. Like I've, <laughs> I've always wanted to coach my one of my kids like sports teams. And I was like, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I don't have time. And I was like, I better do it now because um, they're going to grow up and I still might not have a successful SAS. I love so. I love going to my daughter's basketball games and coaching her like privately in our driveway and everything. But yeah, and I and I could run a business. I can go on podcasts. I could speak at conferences. I cannot coach a little kid's sports team. I don't. I, I just it don't have it in me. Hilarious! <laughs> oh my like, god, those those games are ridiculous. Yeah, so much fun. Chaos, just utter chaos. I just took her to Madison Square Garden for the, her first Knicks game last week. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh, I wanted to get back to. Um, I just now I just lost my train of thought. You know, this idea of like going all in on, on a pro, you know, I think you were just saying about like optimizing or like, what are you optimizing for? Right. And that's, that right. is something that I gave that a big driver in my decision over this last month or two. And what, one thing that I came to was I keep using this phrase, like just remove urgency, Re remove mm, interesting, like with, with when you're operating on a runway. And these past three years has, have been the first time in my career that I was actually operating on a runway to profitability. I, I've been mm -hmm. self-employed for 12 years before that, all profitable, self-funded, you know, through client work and then, and then businesses that were just bootstrapped and profitable. But then it wasn't until 2021 and going forward where it was like, okay, this is unprofitable and I have money in the bank and we're going to make it out the other side at some point. But now, yeah. now it's like, there's this urgency of like, we literally have an X number of months that where we have to, where these growth projects have to pay off. Otherwise things change. And I need to get back to this. I remember my mental state, my mindset in the years of 2015 to 2021, when I had a profitable core business and I can take as much time as I want to let these other things take their time and grow and, and take root, you know? And so what I would like to get to now is like clarity flow keeps going, but just mm -hmm. re remove its entire runway. Just that whole equation is removed from the picture, get something else mm -hmm. going. And, and then I, then I can go as slow as I want on clarity flow or whatever else, you know, that's, that's sort of the, the game for me now at this point. That's interesting. Cause I think that you will hear, I mean, it, that's such a personal thing, I think, is where I was going with this. Like, because you can hear so, so many people approach that differently, right? Because yeah. I literally just read a book called Burn the Boats. I mean, and yeah. the whole premise of the book was like, the only way you're going to succeed at your new thing is to cut off your, your safety net, mm. right? Because the urgency and the desperation make you better. Yeah. But I also think what you just said, like, removing some of the the stress and the like mental overhead of this has to work in six months enables you to approach it in a more long-term sustainable way. And that's why I, I honestly, I, I feel like I say this on every episode of this podcast where it's like, I, I can't stand this constant debate, especially on Twitter. Like 
you have to focus on one versus having a portfolio of small bets or, or whatever you want to call it. Like it, it just completely removes or it doesn't take into account that each founder's personal situation and where they're at. And like a lot of times, like focus is just not an option, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I agree to a certain extent that like focusing on one business does help, especially when the business demands that focus. Like if, if there are things that cannot happen in this business, unless you are giving it uh, 40 hours a week, then, then yeah, you're, you're starving the business. But if, mm-hmm. but if it's a business that's, that, that can still operate uh, as, as a side project while, while you sustain yourself, I, I think there's a case to be made that like. I mean, it's just every, every person's different. That's why I hate these like stupid debates of like, yes. everyone should always focus on one or everyone should do the portfolio thing or everyone should do the audience thing or not the audience thing or whatever it might be, you know? Yeah. And I think that goes back to the survivorship bias, right? Like everyone succeeded in their way or these people who are pontificating about this, yeah. they approached it a certain way and that's how they succeeded. So everyone should do it that way. I think you're right. It's a it's a stupid argument to have because what you just said, like where the founder, I mean, we have, you know, we have kids like we're older. Our life situation is completely different. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I live in a house. Like I don't, (laughs) I don't again. So, you know, the things I need for my life are completely different than what other people need. So, so yeah, I don't know that there's a right answer. I was, while you were saying that, I was thinking it would be funny though, if I like, like I carry the torch for like one thing, like I want to focus on one thing, but it'll be funny for me if like all this circles back and simple file upload, which has been quietly growing for three years, like turns out to be the thing. <laughs> I just ignored it for five years and then it was the thing. And, so, you know, I'm also be a big cool believer too. in seasons, you know, yeah, like two or three years ago, I, I did make the conscious decision. I was like, I sold everything. I sold audience ops and, yeah, and you were everything. all in. I was like, like for once in my career, let me actually at least try the the one thing for a couple of years. And now I'm sort mm-hmm. of like circling back and, and maybe that'll be different next year. Maybe that'll be different five years from now. And I think everyone goes through these, these seasons, you know? Well, you went all in and I don't want to say you got burned, but it didn't turn out. It sounds like the way you had hoped, but no, you know, now I mean, you know, right? You tried it and yeah, I mean, I don't, adjust. I don't regret it. I definitely, I definitely mm-hmm. own the decision to go all in. I think, it, and I, and I think a lot of the decisions that don't end up panning out, I can still look back on them and be like, I probably would still make that same decision because given, given the data that I had at the time, I think it made sense to go that way. But, mm-hmm. and I could say that about anything, like the decision to, yeah, to, sure. to do freemium or not, or the decision to niche yeah. down or not, like, you know, we're. I, it's it's hard to, you know, because I, I was getting a lot of feedback from like mastermind buddies about all this. It's like, what would you have done differently or or what were some of the mistakes that were made? And it's like, there's not a whole lot that I would necessarily do differently. It's just like I'm in a different place now, you know, and that's right. That's where we ended up, you know. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. So, I mean, we'll start to wrap it up here. I, I am curious about this idea that you seem pretty excited about, but you didn't mention what it is. I have all the ideas. Okay. So the good thing about being in this world for a while is I have a lot of ideas mm-hmm. that I'm excited about. But man, there is this cycle that I have been going through the past couple of months where it's like, this is a great idea. And then you talk to people or you look at the competitors and you're like, oh, this is a this is a terrible idea. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know, man. 
I'm just I'm just in this process right now where I am trying to think smaller. I am trying to build stuff because I want to. Like I'm trying yeah. to play and have fun. And I'm really focused on doing that right now. So I actually have three ideas, which I, I'm excited about. Maybe excited about. I don't know. But um, I, yeah. You're not hearing any I, ideas I'm just I'm not. You know yeah. why? Wait, I would like to tell you why, because it's really interesting. So I'm in this weird emotional state, okay? Like, just with everything we've been through with the business, like, it's a weird state to be in. Mm -hmm. And I come up with an idea that I think is good. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to build a little bit of it because I want to build stuff. And then I tell my founder friends. And you know what founder friends do, Brian? Because they love you, they tell you don't build, all the go, reasons. Don't validate. Yeah, go talk to customers. And they tell me. <laughs> All the reasons why it's a terrible idea. Yep. So I am not like really talking about them right now just because I need to protect my little emotional fiefdom. I hear you. Of like building something and just talking to the people that might buy it. I, I respect that. That's I I'm on board. I like it. I, I did see you ship uh I guess one of these little small small ideas, the the podcast advertiser oh. thing. Yeah, so that is one of the the ideas I'm excited about. It was funny because um, your your tweet came through, and literally like an hour or two later, another guy that I know, uh, Joe Casabona, he like reached out to me to see if I wanted to sponsor one of his sponsor. His, I was like, I you know, it's not in my budget right now, but I just came across this thing. Check this out. Like you might find sponsors that way. Like, yeah, yeah. So I really like that idea. That yeah, I forgot I actually shipped that. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I really like this podcast sponsorship idea because I think that when Michelle and I were doing software social, the sponsorship thing was more effort than it was worth. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just such a pain. And so I don't know if I'm the right person to build that because if you look at that, is that a two-sided marketplace? I don't know, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a huge dearth of, of products in the sponsorship space. And yeah. I think as AI becomes more and more prevalent, People are going to want to feel a personal connection with creators, whether that's through YouTube or podcasts or newsletters. And the tools out there now, at least the ones we tried, were mostly terrible. Yeah. So I think there's there's going to be something in that space. A couple whether of years it's me back, or not, I don't know. A couple of years back, this is probably like 2017, 2018. I got, I was, I came so close to starting a SaaS around uh, the feature that they call um, dynamic insertion in podcasts. Oh yeah, I, Transistor um, does that. Yeah, now. Transistor yeah. does it, and I'm I'm gonna be using it on on this season of of this podcast where I'll do like oh, a, cool. like, like okay. sort of like a live update as like the intro, which will go out to like the whole catalog of of episodes. So I I love yeah. that concept, and 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 I was thinking yeah. a lot about that like back in 2018. I think it was around in in, in some like early like advertising platforms for for podcasts, but I, and I was thinking about it like in terms of podcast advertising, but also like just the ability to like announce a black Friday sale across all of your podcasts. And so anyway, like that, that was like one of those like shiny object ideas that like I went down the rabbit hole for a couple of months, but I didn't actually pull the oh. trigger and do it. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and I guess these days it's sort of a feature in a lot of the, the hosts like, like transistor, but I, I'm still pretty excited about that. Like, I, I still think that that has, there's something there because like it's, it doesn't seem to get used that much but i i feel like there mm -hmm. is a lot of untapped opportunity in like using podcasts in different ways like dynamically i do too i think and and i'm interested because i've had a podcast i've been on a lot of podcasts like 
I am very interested in the space. And of course, I love podcasters because it's a creator space. Um, and, and I think there's so much room for product in the podcast. It, it Maybe it's not advertising, right? Maybe it's guest scheduling. I don't know. I think it's advertising because I want to be closer to the money. But I, I think even with like the dynamic audio insertion feature being built into platforms, I still think there's opportunity for like the human touch sponsors, high value, that whole thing. Yeah. So I, I think there's something there. So very cool. I'll report back. Sounds good. Well, Colleen, it was great to catch up with you. It was a really good conversation. Thank you for uh, giving me a, a bit of a therapy session here as well. So <laughs> uh, good stuff. Uh, it was I, great to be here. Thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm going to keep following along and, and especially like this, this phase of like exploring uh, your different product ideas. I, I'm excited to see where you go with this. So pretty cool. Thanks. I appreciate All that. Right. Bye. That does it for today's episode of the Full Stack Founder Podcast. As always, the show notes include links to the YouTube channel for this podcast, where you can catch these full interviews on video, and my YouTube channel. That's where I'm building products in public. See you next week.